Welcome to the Take Control Nutrition Podcast with your host, Adam Shilladay. With each episode, we'll be aiming to cut through all the crap out there and give you some practical advice to help you finally take control of your nutrition. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Take Control Nutrition Podcast. My name's Adam, and this week's episode we have a bit of a legend in the Northern Irish uh, health and fitness scene, Mr. Ian Young of Ian Young Fitness. Um, yeah, really enjoyed chatting to, to Ian. Um, this guy broke on the, the, the football scene in, in the Irish League when he was 17, um, played at the very top, you know, multiple league um, wins, uh, cups, retired pretty early as a footballer, footballing careers go, um, and then went on to become a world champion in a completely different sport as a solo um, athlete. So, yeah, and then he came out of that and, 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 and you know, started an absolutely um, thriving fitness business. So, Really interesting chats of great stories behind the scenes, football wise, and and uh, in his kickboxing, um, and so really good views on how gyms have potentially missed a trick with their PTs. You know, I think this has highlighted some flaws in how bigger uh, gyms have treated people. So, yeah, really really interesting episode. Uh, thanks very much for listening hopefully you really enjoy it any feedback just give us a wee shout but yeah um, check it out guys welcome Ian to the podcast thanks for coming on no problem at all it's all good it's all good nice sunny day Berlin <laughs> so far I was saying uh, no. that way yeah um, just before we before we get into um, the meat of the podcast could you sort of give everybody an idea of who you are and and what you do at the minute then um, i'm ian young um i will be 44 my next birthday so i've been in this industry my first job was working for mary peters and uh, she had a gym in railway street in lisburn and i started working for her when i was 16 believe it or not and um, which is quite a long time ago <laughs> which I, I don't really want to remember that far back but I started working for her in her gym at the age of 16 and I've always been involved in the industry I played football from a young age and I signed for Crusaders when I was 16 and had a, a quite a successful time with them uh, starting in the reserve team captaining the reserve team making it the first team and from Crusaders and then from there I moved and played for Linfield. Um, had a, I was so forced, just, just forced sorry to interrupt you, but yep. what, yep. what age did you make a step up into the first team then? Because you were I would have played. I would have played my my first game for Crusaders in the first my first match for them was when I was seventeen, um, and it it was a preseason friendly. I didn't break into the squad that uh, that year, um, but I. I um I played a couple of preseason friendly games. I was on the bench for a couple of games. Centre really backs, yes, centre half, yeah. Center so half, I would have played yeah. alongside Brendan Ob, Aaron Callahan, um, who were two formidable centre halves in their day. Brendan Ob was an amazing player, so good person so to learn and, Yeah, amazing and arguably, arguably probably one of the best Irish league players there has been. He was just he was he was phenomenal yeah. and um, so we had a really good squad back then as well and, and we had a fantastic reserve team as well we won the B division twice um, which it was back then I don't know if it's still the same now actually but we had a, a fantastic team back then and uh, it was a great great time and I've said this before you know if I look back at my football career Crusaders is probably the, the most enjoyable time I had um, and it was probably because it was quite a humble club. I was like a family club, and it wasn't overly that professional. You know, you, you, you're talking about in 1995. Like I coach people now who weren't even born in 1995, but <laughs> you know, 95, 96, 97. You know, it, it was 
yeah. it was quite a, a long time ago so they weren't overly professional and they they certainly weren't obviously like Linfield or Glen Torn in, in that respect but that added to the the whole family atmosphere around the club camaraderie and stuff um, yeah yeah camaraderie and just just the it was almost like a if you look back on it, it's almost like a romantic time if that makes sense it was just yeah. all it was just nice and it was settled and it was it was just a real nice place to be and I've, I've said it often I would never have left Crusaders um, if Roy Walker hadn't have left and he left and went to Glenavon and um, then the managerial roles changed him to Martin Murray and uh, they come up and managed and they had their own ideas and they they obviously there was a big contingent back then if you remember there's a lot of players like McDegan Liam Carroll, Robbie Lawler, Aaron Callan, all from the south. Okay. And then we had sort of, um, so they took over and they brought a lot of players from the south up and uh, they, they signed a couple of centre halves. Um, obviously, at the age of 17, 18, you obviously think you're, you're better, than, better than what they were. But um, so I, I obviously thought my days were numbered and Linfield had, 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 a, had been inquiring and asking and I had no, I had no real inkling to go. And it wasn't until then that, that I'd seen that I probably wasn't part of the team going forward under that management that, that I spoke to them and I signed for Linfield. And, uh, what, what age were you when you went to Linfield? I had 98, so I would have been 20, 20, 22 then, yeah. 21, 20. 21, 97 I guess, so yeah, I would have been 21. Brilliant. Uh, so it was still, still young enough and then... Um, so I stayed there for a while, but I've never, I've never moved on. And I've, I've publicly said that, even though Linfield's a huge team of loads of fond memories there. But obviously, with Roy moving on, it was, it was, uh, it was just one of those things. That the writing was on the wall in terms of my. So did they, did they sign you as a centre half? Because obviously, I know you as a centre midfielder. So what, what? At Linfield. Yeah. At Linfield. Or they what? signed me. They signed me. I don't know what way they signed me because, because my first match was a centre midfield and I played for against Glenavon and it was a league league cup game I think at Windsor and they put me straight into the centre midfield. Um, I think they had a couple of injuries and I had a really good game and the, the second game was against Coleraine against Paddy McAllister and at that stage Coleraine had had a really good a good team and Paddy McAllister would have would have been a very dominant figure mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, and then all of a sudden Linfield maybe had someone in the middle of the park who was equally as, as dominant uh, and the, I'm, I'm the first person to say I'm, I'm, I was, never was never will be a skillful player but I, I was a fit player and, and extremely physical yeah and and I think um I wouldn't say it was intimidating to people. Maybe other people would say that. But, you like the uh, tackle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But and I think that myself, you know, I think every every sort of team needs that. And I, you know, if I won the ball and gave it to other players in the pitch who who could do the the job, then great. But I did. I played the majority of my games for Linfield at centre midfield, and um, a few good games at centre half now, but. But the majority was centre midfield, and I ne- I'd never, I'd never once played centre midfield before. The only other time was when I, I moved out to New Zealand and played in the or the um, national league in New Zealand, and um, that was the only other time that I played midfield. Was that was um, that was that was that before them? That was a Crusaders, yeah. Cruise, yeah, we myself and a guy called Brian Russell, who's at um, Crusaders as well. He. Me and him both went out to um, Invercargill, which is at the very south of New Zealand, and they played in the National League. So we used to we flew out there, and then we uh, so we stayed there for a full season. We used to fly away to all the mine, which was to us at that age. We were 19, 19 and 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 all of a sudden we were flying out to all these matches on Eden and flying out to Christchurch. So as opposed to hey, you hop on a, a coach and you go to your match, all of a sudden you you get an airplane to matches. Or what, just, what was the standard like? Standard, standard was 
wouldn't have been as good as um, as the Irish League as a whole. But then they had some great individual players. Like our manager was a guy called Kenny Creswell, who played in the 82 World Cup for New Zealand. I think they were in the 82. And um, he was our manager. And um, was he 82? And uh, they, um, so he played for New Zealand. Our, our captain was a guy who called Mike McGarry, who, who, who was the current captain of New Zealand. And he was, he was a, a, a phenomenal player. But, you know, back... Back then, or then they wouldn't have really. Their individual players would have stayed there and played. The odd one would have gone and played in, in probably Australia. Yeah. But if they, you know if they had gone further afield, whereas now they probably would have been in the the Premier League, the First Division. Like they, they were, they were amazing players, but they just didn't have that that coaching infrastructure around them because rugby is just a massive sport. There, ah, like, of course. You know, yeah. Like football, you've got rugby, you've got rugby, cricket, netball. And then, and then probably football. Football is like the fourth or fifth sport, and yeah. and they're just they're just rugby mad. Like this, like I remember the bar and the bars would stay open all night purely to watch if they if they're playing the so, so Southern Hemisphere team. So if they're playing like the likes of South Africa in a match, the bars would stay open at six or seven in the morning. The place was packed purely yeah. so everyone could just watch the. It's like a religion to them, and yeah. it's, you know, and, and for a nation that's so small, they're just absolutely unbelievable. At it. They're beasts, aren't they? No, um, it's huge. So, obviously, okay, so you came back, went to, went to Linfield. Um, yeah. Am I right in saying that you are the first Irish league footballer to score a golden goal? Yeah, that was for Crusaders, actually. For the Crusaders, um, okay, right. That, that, that was for Crusaders. So we um, we scored. We were playing. I think it was either Carrick or it was in a in a cup match. Carrick or maybe it was Lauren, and it was a Seaview. When I, sc- I scored a header, and uh, obviously it was it went into the extra time, and uh, it was the first goal goal in the Irish league. Yeah, which I, do, I, I think a couple of seasons after that. There was no more golden goals, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right so so it, was nice, yeah. it was nice we start to have actually, but um, I've been asked that a few times, and it's probably a good pub, pub quiz question. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so let's talk a wee bit about the sort of professionalism or the, the nutrition's obviously going to have evolved quite a bit. So, like, mm-hmm. whenever you were at the cruise and stuff, and obviously, maybe as you said, like it's maybe a, a bit of a, a smaller club back then but like what mm-hmm. what 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 way did it what way was the nutrition set up or what way did you guys did you have like a, a performance coach nope. or no it wasn't it was just left ourselves okay completely right. left ourselves our own devices you know and i would even back then because i was involved in the, in the gym side of things working out you know i i would have been probably better than most but it, looking back probably not that great and um so, but everybody was sort of left to their own devices and left to do whatever they could. And, um, you know, if you look back, you would probably be completely shocked by it and horrified. You know, people like, like even an hour before the match having a burger or something like that. And you, <laughs> think, you just, it's just not, probably just not good. At um, least it's not a smoke at half time with a side of the pitch. I know. Well, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? And did that change going into Linfield then? Was there, was there, was there almost like a bit of a step up or was it roughly there, the there, same? There, there was a, yeah, there was a big step up in terms of the professionalism of the club when you walked in and then training nights, you know, you would, everything was washed for you and everything was hung up for you, you know, which was amazing. You got all your training gear was all uh, numbered and named and, and you, your boots were all, all left out to be cleaned. You know, you didn't have, have to do things like that. And uh, what's the big words were crusaders, you know, you put everything back in your bag, you take it home, wash it yourself, <laughs> do, do your own boots. Like so it's just like a big club and, you know, even moving there, you're like, oh, I've arrived here. You know, this is great. I have arrived. And, and, uh, um, but it's just, I think the cruise was just a bit more humble. And, yeah. uh, and it's just the way it was. And, and for me, it was just probably, as I said, probably the best time I had of football. Can you remember, say, what you would have 
eating the day of a match back then? I normally would. I, I, I would be quite religious in my setup. So I would be really re- religious in my setup in terms of what I, my routine as I go through this. So if I go through, if I have a really good match, I was always like, what did I do? That okay, yeah. Do that. You, you, that way. So I always, always went through this process and I always tried to maintain that and always tried to keep that. So um, even like things like, I would always leave my shirt off until the very last minute before I walked out for some reason. I was always the last person to do that. Put the shirt on, put it on and get out. That was you ready and to then, go. Um, and then ready to go. But then in terms of food-wise, it was probably things, it was probably... Uh, Scrambled egg, beans, and toast, and um, and that's what yeah. it was. Cool, brilliant. Okay, and then um, I suppose like recovery and and things like that. Was there was there much um, was there much thought put into like how you recovered after games? In terms of like the club, did they say right, guys? The recover. Let's get the recovery. Recovered. The recovery after the game. A couple of beers. A few. A few beers. Probably a few, probably a few too many. I remember I, uh, after one game at at Seaview, um, they had a big board, big table, huge big table in the boardroom, and uh, <laughs> they, I don't know, well, do you know we're talking about Kirk Hunter talking about to set all these beers in the middle of the the uh, the um, table, yeah. and you had to run around the table. <laughs> Three or four times, grab a beer, you darn it, and you run around it three or four times, darn a beer, and run it three or four times. And I don't even know what the thing was with this game. I don't even know if it was the first person that fell over one or if it was the last person that fell over one. <laughs> yeah, last it, was just, it was just one of those games that was the most ridiculous game. And you just got dizzier and dizzier and dizzier. And just, <laughs> it was horrific, just silly things like that. But Brilliant. I think that's what added to the atmosphere of the club and the boys. And what it, in terms of post post match nutrition, it just wasn't even thought about then. It yeah. just wasn't a thing. Okay. And um and I think now I think it has changed a wee bit now. Mm-hmm. I think the boys are a lot more they've got they've got um, excuse me, S and C guys on board and people talking about about nutrition. We just we just we didn't have that. We just went out and played and and, and like I remember nights we were still in our tracks it's what and the M Club in, in Shaftesbury Square at half eleven at night, twelve o'clock oh, from the yeah, match. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Back, yeah. back in the day, and, and that's you know, and that was us out from after the match. Yeah. Or up at Hunter's Bar, just to walk up the road, and we're just it was beers and burgers. That was it. Yeah. There's yeah. always that's there's always that's horrendous. Debate. Yeah, there's always a debate to see, you know, if you took like say, you know, the cruise team of of now, um, mm-hmm. or the last couple of years, and. and Pitted them against, you know, maybe a, a cracker yeah. back then. You know, who would come out on top? You know, and I always, yeah. I'm always like, yeah, fair enough. You've maybe got a wee bit more in the side of, you know, science and looking at performance and stuff like yeah. that. But, you know, back then you probably had a bit more, let's say, I don't know, grit or something maybe, or physicality. Know, physicality. Uh, okay, physicality. I, yeah. I, 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 I would, I've seen a couple of matches and, you know, and even even the Olympic teams, Glen Torn teams, I'm looking at the players now, and I, you know, and I look back at the players that, that we had in the team, and I say, you know, they might have been nicer footballers, but like they wouldn't have lasted five ten minutes against some of the boys. But then the games change now as well. Yeah, Refer- refereeing's changed as well. Like I arguably now I would be retired a lot a lot earlier because like I couldn't I couldn't last in the game now. And, Too many red cards. Um, yeah, I, I would be like, you know, it, it would be because yeah. tackling to a certain extent now is maybe, has maybe gone. So if you think now, like, you know, and it was a massive, massive thing. And um, the um, I look back at even players like Glendon Up was an unbelievable player, but like they could put the, the foot in Aaron Callahan, you had as well, Robbie Lawler, Kirk Hunter, you know, Stephen Baxter, even. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he would he would leave the elbow and yeah. like quite a lot during a match. And nowadays, nowadays, I I think that that's gone from the game. Yeah, and um, massively gone from the game. And too it's, many cameras said, about, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, too many cameras and and too many iPhones about. And uh, <laughs> I just think that I just think that that whole 
having that presence and big characters as well maybe going too you know even if you look back Chris Walker was a great character you know yeah. everybody sort of loved to hate him but he was a character in the game and, and, he, and a great football player as well and the matches I've been back to, back, back to there doesn't really seem to be big characters whereas almost when I was playing you had maybe one or two characters in, in each team yeah and uh, and that's that that maybe seems to have gone but I I probably do think the football might be better now in terms of the skill set skills um, maybe, yeah. Yeah, but you but still have to have that heart you know and that determination you that, do. so yeah so okay um obviously a couple of well was is it four league titles you won yeah two of the club was in the squad for two of the crews and two with with Linfield Linfield so, so what I mean what's yeah. what what what's that like that just, was just brilliant. Well, yeah, it was, yeah, it was brilliant. It's good for you know you're part of a squad and a team. And the teams won that together. The backroom staff won that. Every, everybody's won that, and it's great when it's in that situation when when there's a group of boys and they've just they've had one one goal and and they've achieved that and and like our you know Limpy was a great time. Like we, I, I was fortunate fortunate enough to play in a great squad. And be involved in a great squad, and like like so many good players there. Like with with twenty two, twenty four really good players. Yeah. Like the Linfield Swift team back then, you could have, you could have probably played in the Irish League as well and came second. They were yeah, like the, the exactly. food from yeah. That was brilliant, and um, and I was fortunate enough at that time just to be in that squad and 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 to win a lot of. Brilliant. Medals and the, the only one that escaped me was was the Irish Cup final. So yeah. the only one I haven't won and won every other medal, and um, it, it just wasn't to be. Yeah, some going, and um, obviously, so you moved on. What was the next club off that? Was it Carrick? I went to I went there just on loan. Yeah, I went loan after Linfield a couple of games, and then I signed for Newry. I went to Newry because my grandfather he played for Newry. Okay. Um, back in back in nineteen twenty four, um. So I I always said I would I would go I always said I would go there, just as, just to play. Um, I was very close to my grand. He played for Newry and Distillery. Yeah. And um, he got his leg broken playing for Distillery. And, and back in those days, if you got your leg broken, that was you. You were done. You were you, you were you were finished. You were done. Um, which is so I always said I would go there and play and um. And uh, yeah, it was a good time up there as well. Uh, a lot of travelling, but uh, finished that. Finished early at football, and yeah, that's where it leads us on the, uh, yeah, nicely the, to. Well, I tell you what, just yeah. just before we move yeah. on, what is what's the most memorable goal that you've scored? Most memorable goal. Linfield makes a wanna wanna ask that question. <laughs> yeah, one of the most memorable goal I scored was the solitude. It was solitude. our second match back at. Oh, after the troubles, solitude. Yeah, after the troubles, yeah. and it was the first winning goal uh, that Linfield scored. Um, it was one 0 Solitude, one 0 We won the first match. Was one each. Big Winky scored, as far as I remember. Big Winky scored, and it finished one each. And then the next game we played up there was the first. It was the first goal that that had won a match in Solitude in twenty eight years. Wow. Okay. Um, Header. So did you say? No, it wasn't. It no? was actually a, a right foot half volley. Half volley, so far out, was it? Or te- what, what? Technically, technically, probably I mishit it because there's no way I would hit a half volley into the into the net. But uh, it's really 18 yards out, yeah. Class, um, brilliant. But but the atmosphere back in it was unbelievable because we used to get picked up at Windsor, and you would have three, two or three, police wagons in front and behind the bus, and then we. Outriders and they used to take it straight through town, down Royal Avenue, up to Solitude, and there was an army man and a policeman in every other door the whole way up. Aye, like, that's you have to go right it up was. It was to just middle, right yeah. the whole way up, and it was and the atmosphere was. We, we, we like fast. Really tense. Yeah, there was. I was restricted to. I think we were allowed. I think a few hundred, but they boycotted it because of that. And I think they were like 500, but the atmosphere was a really eerie, intense atmosphere. It was, it was brilliant. And we had a big, uh, a big, big goalkeeper called Neil Ingalls, who used to play for the Rangers. And it was his first game over. And right. he, he met us. He was from, from Glasgow and he met us at Windsor. And, uh, 
good good looking big lad, big, big, big dude and uh, awesome guy. And he got on the bus and he saw he's next to me so so the police landovers outriders and he was going I, I, I don't think he he fully grasped the concept about, about what was, was going to happen. <laughs> and I could see a sweeper coming up up the Triftonville and uh, and I could see the army men all the and I, I just see him just going and he just see him get more and more nervous going <laughs> Oh shit what's going on here? Especially from, from Glasgow as well, you probably would have thought he would. Man, he would yeah, yeah. So, so then he arrived on, on the passengers' police helicopter above me. I can just see him sitting going, never mind, let myself in for you. And he used to see him just walking about. Uh, oh, but it was brilliant. brilliant. But yeah, that was very good. Yeah, it was, that, was, that was probably the most memorable. I didn't score many, see, so that's probably the most, the most, the most memorable out of them all. So, yeah, as you said, there, you, you'd quit or retired from football quite early. Yeah. 20, 26 for you? 26, yeah, 26, yeah. 26, 27, yeah. And that sort of leads on the, the next phase, if you like, in your yeah. uh, athletic career, if you like. Um, so mm-hmm. the kickboxing, yeah. you, you, you'd you always been interested in, in that, is that right? Yeah, I'd always done that, even even as a, even as a kid, I'd done that. I was, I was training with um, a friend of mine as well, who is a we fought in Thailand and um, at the time, the whole way through Crusaders as well, you know, you, you watch Karate Kid when you're a kid and all, all of a sudden you, you sort of move in the Karate Club. So I'd done martial arts, we were the boxing, so I, you know, I, I always had an interest in that. And then I, I, would, I did that the whole way through Crusaders just to keep fit. And then when I signed for Linfield, they knew about that and I had to stop. Okay. And I, I remember having the conversation actually with David Jeffries and Brian McLaughlin, and they said, you, you have to stop doing that. Um, just for injury so perspective I, and stuff like just that. Just injury, yeah. yeah. Like if you, if you had, so I stopped that, and then I obviously reconnected um, once I retired. And I literally stopped football one Saturday, and then I walked in to see Billy Murray the very following Saturday. And I think within three months, I thought. I fought my first fight in Aberdeen, um, over there, and then from there just snowballed, snowballed and, and spiraled. But then it, it gave me the opportunity to, you know, like you train at least six days a week, two times a day, um, okay. and and you either want or you don't. You know, you 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 have to want to achieve something, and you know, I always felt I don't know if. If I if I felt that I, I let myself down with football, and I just didn't make enough effort at the end of it to to um, to stay there, and I you know I swear, I always had this in, in my head that that I I had to prove something to myself, okay. and not to other not to other people, but I just, I just just had this feeling that maybe. I'd let myself down, maybe, maybe from, other people from uh, let let yourself down, as in the just you didn't stick just out in terms of just, not just the fact that that it had started so well, and then it, at the end it sort of had gone downhill, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I I just often say you know maybe you know you have that mind, mindset when you're younger that you, know, you, you think you've arrived and, and you've done this and all of a sudden you're, co- you're, you're coaching and this is me now I'm, I'm here and then all of a sudden something happens and you're not mm. and um, I definitely had that mindset you know I'm here I'm at them feeling yeah you know I, I definitely if I look back I'm the first person to admit that and not that I was arrogant but you know I certainly thought I certainly thought yes this is me now and uh, you know I if I look back, that's one regret I, I definitely have. And I don't have, have many regrets, but I, I definitely regret not putting in more effort. Yeah. Um, and then whenever you got into the kickboxing, do you, you know, do you, you felt as if you put in probably more effort? Yeah, no, it's definitely. That, switched that, on that every point, day. I just, just, just to get that done, about half four in the morning, do road, road work and stuff, and out, out for five and, and, and through that. And at the end of the day, if I want, you know, if I... If I'm in a, in a team sport, if I'm in a team sport, I've, I've everybody else all pushing for the same goal. 
Yeah. So if you, if you if you have an off day or a couple of off days, you're all, almost shielded by that, mm-hmm. or you or, or you or you can be shielded and you maybe still win, still progress. But in that sport, where it's individual, Aye, you spotlight's on you. Know, like you have to. It, it's all about you. Yeah. So if I if if I don't turn up, if I don't turn up each and every day, ultimately that's not going to make me get further. Um. Or 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 actually where I want to um, achieve, and so, um, so that that was that was in the forefront of my mind then. Even mm-hmm. back at that age, what's probably still quite young, and it was, and it was, I became very, very mindful and very focused at that point. And um, at the end of the day, if I wanted to achieve this, this is what I had to do every single day. I have to show up in this. And that's why I say that, that everybody nowadays on my phases and. And all the people I coach, you know, motivation. Motivation is an emotion. I see this all the time. They're probably sick hearing this, but you either, you, you either wake up motivated or you don't. You've no you've no choice in this. I don't have a choice in this. Mm-hmm. So you wake up and be full of beans. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to smash this. Or you wake up and go, I'm not feeling this today. I'm not feeling it. It's an emotion. So it's either it's either here or it's gone. Mm-hmm. But you have a choice to be disciplined, so you have a choice to be disciplined. This, so you can wake up every day and feel feel rubbish that you're you're completely demotivated. But you have the and it's not there; it's gone. But you've got a choice to be disciplined, mm-hmm. and that's what you have to instill in your mindset. You've got to wake up and be disciplined every single day, and that's that's how all these wee wins, all these wee wins, all these wee, wee small achievements. Will lead you lead you to where you want to go. So that and, mindset, uh, did you have that mindset going into the kickboxing, or is that did that come from your probably coach? something that probably something that grew quite after, and something something that I got from Billy Murray. Billy Murray's a great guy and mm-hmm. uh, really good coach, really good mentor, and like like what he achieved as well in the sport, and you know was great and um, phenomenal. And you know I'm I'm lucky to be. To sort of have those guys like Roy Walker, David Jeffries, Billy Murray, people like that, who are who are all fantastic managers, fantastic people, and and, and what they did very very driven, mm-hmm. and um and and certainly I've certainly taken things from them, from from my career with them, yeah, and and you know I think certainly probably are out of them all, David Jeffries. Really, really would have had a, a never say die attitude. You know, his attitude, he was very passionate, like very, very, uh, you know, annoyed. Obviously, he played for Olympic for a long, long time, but mm-hmm. he was, he was, he was certainly one that was, was quite forceful with that. And, you know, it's, and, and he always, always took pride in not being beat. And, and you can't be beat because you're, you're playing for this team. You're meant to be the best, the best. So you have to show that, and that wasn't him being arrogant. That was him just saying, "This is how this is. Yeah, this is how this is. This is how this works. You're playing for Linfield, you win, and that you know, and that that for me is a great attitude to have. Yeah, it's not it's not being arrogant. It's just being a wee bit. This it's is a, bit of a challenge goes. to the players as well to say. Yeah, that, totally, it is. This is what we expect of you. So yeah, you, know, you have to step yeah. up. So okay, I know there's a, there's a few people listening to this. Will obviously be quite interested in this and I, I know just from a bit of research and stuff that you had to drop down quite a bit of weight didn't you in terms yeah, I, of, I, so how did you find yeah. that horrible I could yeah, ask my wife my wife she just I was not a good person to live with leading up the fights you know I, I walk around probably 13-4 and I fought 10 stone 10 wow um, so I used to Cut down and last two three weeks was literally tins of tuna, a few leaves and some grapes. Yeah, and that was it. And like horrible. And did, I, like if I, did if you I look train? Back, yeah, did we trained. Did you train during yeah. that? Train. Yeah. yeah. And okay, and how, how did you find? Because yeah, obviously things have moved on. We bit I suppose with the mm-hmm. you know massively, yeah. Doing it slower, I suppose maybe. Is, and obviously yeah. you're gonna uh, have all that knowledge with, with Leah and stuff. So. Like, um, did you think it impacted your ability to uh, fight 
maybe? Or would you have done things? I would have put on. I would have put on. So we would have weighed if if I fought Saturday night. Um, I would have weighed in ten stone ten, mm-hmm. and probably by the Saturday night I was about eleven stone eight. <laughs> okay. Well, so, what, what did you go for? Like, how did you, so how did you bring it normally up? just re normally just rehydrate well and try to get um, not as much carbs in, but try to get carbs in every every hour and a half, every two hours. Um, so I would try to retain as much water, obviously, as I could, and obviously get the carbs carbs in to help attract that and to hold that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of where, where nutrition is now, like, you know, it's just same sort of thing as football, you know, I wasn't taught how to do it mm-hmm. that way. And, and I was just trial and error. And looking back, it was so unhealthy, mm-hmm. like so like unhealthy. Dropping the water weight do, and things Dropping like that weight. Yeah. And there's photographs of me and the 10 stone 10. And I'm just, you're, you're just, I'm, I'm like a, a skeleton almost. Cause I'm, I'm just, just under six foot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it just, it just wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and certainly, I, I I would have found by trying to put weight back on again, um, like a lot of the time, your gut's massively affected because for two or three weeks leading up to that, you know, it's I was eating tuna, grapes cut up in leaves, yeah. and that was it. And then obviously restricting water, then from maybe four or five days out, mm-hmm. pulling that down until you come down. To, to know what I remember weighing in in Italy and uh, I was over a wee bit overweight on the pre-pre-weigh-in and um, I had to lose two pounds and I remember skipping in a sweatsuit and having to spit as well just to get any to get anything out and like if you that's just horror that's horror yeah, that's yeah. not that, that's not nice and yeah. the, but it's part of it's a game it's a journey and and like you'll Fighters will tell you it's what you do, and I think yeah. that part of the journey as well. I think that in, in itself, in a, in a uh, it builds or instills a strong mindset as well that, that you can actually come through that. Well, I suppose the but, other point is like you, you know, you didn't have the sort of knowledge that obviously we know now, and you were still able to reach the heights of, of world champion. You know, so like, yeah. uh, how how quickly did you become world champion? When did you? Oh, seven, eight, maybe seven years after. Eight years, maybe. Seven years. So you're in your thirties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was in my thirties, and uh, it was it was actually two thousand and eleven. So because oh, that, that was at the waterfront. Waterfront hall. Yeah, it was amazing. Back and uh, that's probably if I if I look back and that's maybe you know, the waterfront was packed. Long and packed the rafters, and it was amazing. And, and it was good that it, all around, all around the sides and, and the rings right in the center or at the mm-hmm. center, and it, the atmosphere was absolutely amazing. And did you so enjoy it? Guy, did you actually enjoy the fight? Oh, yeah, loved it. And, well, Angie Morricone, I, I, I was always regarded because I had always big legs, like I carried all my weight in my legs, and uh, so it's strong kicks, obviously, from football. And um, I fought a guy from Corsica, or is he from? Morocco, Corsica, and um, uh, it was a guy, Angie Marconi, and I remember I kicked him, I kicked him once high, up, first round off the belt, and my second kick went right under the elbow and his ribs, and I just saw him wince, and it was a hard, like it was a hard kick, and I knew at that point, you got him, I've got, the, I've got this one, and then Billy said to me, it was, it was five threes, and uh, um, he said to me afterwards, why didn't you let, let it go longer because it went. I went in the, the third round, knocked him out in the third round, and um, and he said you should, should let that go longer and sort of made a bit more of a highlight of yourself. And I was like, yeah, I just get, won't get out of there. You, <laughs> get, you, get it you, done. You, you get in, you get in, you get out, and that's it. You know? Get the job done. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah. I suppose going full circle, then your last mm-hmm. fight, uh, yeah. yeah, was State of Light. Light, yeah. Yeah. What what year was that? That was uh, that would have been a, a, a just a wee bit after the world world title. So that would have been must have been two thousand and twelve, maybe or two thousand the end of two. No, it would have been two thousand and twelve because we I fought December, I think it was two 
2011. So that would have been around May time, maybe. Mm-hmm. So we flew into Portugal and um, went to the stadium. And it was a, a European K1 Grand Prix. So they had, they had fighters from Russia, one from the UK, German, Portuguese, French. So they fighters, eight fighters. And you stand in the ring and um, how did the way in was at the, at the stadium. So you, you walk into Benfica Stadium and Benfica are like the same as the, what Barcelona are. It's like a like community. So you pay your subscription monthly to, to Benfica and they've got shops and they've got cafes and they've got a big massive gym and swimming pools. And if you're a member of, of, of the Benfica, Benfica community, you get discounts off all these things. So yeah. it's just like a big, big, huge, big village. But under the stadium, they've got a five or 6,000 seater stadium right under the pitch. So you just go downstairs and they've okay. got this on, like, oh, I couldn't believe it. So uh, it's where they play handball and they play netball and, oh, and all okay. that sort okay, of stuff. Yeah. So, so handball is massive in Europe, but they have this, this 5,000 seater stadium directly under the pitch. And uh, so we fought. Wait in the urban back hotel, and we came back the next night, and the place was place Just was packed. Open, was it? And and I I I drew so that they to bring all the fighters in the ring, and, and you draw out who you're fighting. Yeah. So uh, so I I picked the Portuguese guy. Oh, so <laughs> favorite. And <laughs> and back then you sort of you always look if you went went and first thing I always did was look at the guy's calf muscles because <laughs> if his calf muscles big, you, you're going. That's just oh, gonna come into my oh, my thighs or into my shin. I'm going to that, that muscle. So I fought this guy in big, massive calves. So I was like, me, is it gonna hurt? And uh, so I fought him, and I thought he was coming in 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 for a kick, a round kick first. And he they brought the round in and just jumped up and just kneed me in the temple. And after about ten seconds, I can't remember the whole fight. I lasted oh. the whole fight, but I can't remember the whole fight. Like he won the points. I was just, yeah, yeah, totally out of it. But I was on my feet, but I couldn't remember. Can't remember well, you, throwing you a punch. He just kept going and went the points. Re- yeah, I kept, can't remember throwing a punch. Can't remember throwing a kick. He, he obviously won a points. I think I was just walking about and this whatever, and <laughs> it was a nightmare. So I can't. So I took that after ten seconds. I think. I think at one point, and it was live as well. So I think at one point I was out like, through the ropes and back in again, and uh, that was savage, but good crack, but savage. <laughs> and that was okay. So that was you. How was you done with that? That was me finished. Yeah. yeah, I was done there. I could beat there. And I just thought at that point, you know, I can't I can't keep doing this. Yeah, um, because I was just at that point I'd, I'd won I'd, I'd got what I wanted to achieve. You know, I'd won the um I'd won the uh the British, the European world title belt and Celtic Nations and um so I'd won that and you know, this thing going up and down with the Weight was just yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it, it, it just to that point your family had to start coming first no, and uh, and that's that's um, I mean, at that point I decided to wrap up yeah and did you have it in your mind that you were just going to start a fitness business or had that was that already in the background yeah no I hadn't it was just in the background and always always trained a wee bit my first first session we really did was uh, was down at Shaw's Bridge and there's three people there four people there at Charles Bridge which would work extremely well now with social distancing oh yeah exercising on, on, the, on the yeah on the like grassy area grass yeah so, so that's what we did so you know but and then all of a sudden it just the next week somebody else brought their mate along the next week somebody else brought the, the friend along and then before long we were having sessions with seven people 80 people in them is that so is that how like the like the Bashfield and all uh, evolved that's how it started is it? it started at Shaw's Bridge with Three people. You gotta start somewhere, and, and you gotta start somewhere, right? And it literally just it ballooned over. Probably into like fifteen years. 14, fifteen 15 years. years. I suppose for, for like from my perspective, you know, if you think of you know trainers in Northern Ireland, well, probably uh, not. Was it sorry? Twelve years now. Twelve. Twelve uh, years. Your you know your your name probably is one of the first ones to come up, and like how did obviously you have the hurt locker now. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll get that in a second, but like, did you, where did you then go from, you say, running group training? Like, where did you, did you have a, were you in a gym? 
I was a gym. I worked in a, a gym in Cairo called My Gym, um, where I did my one-to-one sessions. And at that time, it was really everything was just one-to-one training, personal yeah. training, one-to-one. And then I obviously had my large classes. So you either did one-to-one or large classes. There's nobody really doing small groups. Small group, yeah. And the small group training has really come probably come across from America and in Australia, sort of works F45 type based in the last sort of four or five years in here. So I started really doing smaller group training about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people are doing that uh, now as well. And it works extremely well. It's great that, that and I still do one-on-ones obviously, um, mm-hmm. but a small group training is great to have that small team mentality. Yeah. as well and uh, and I love having that in here in the Hurt Locker because um, all the, the majority of people I've trained I've trained for a long time um, and we've sort of grown up together and we've been through highs together we've been through lows together and we're still here mm-hmm. and it, it, it literally is like an extended family to me and, and I do love it and I, I, and I really miss coaching them because they're all friends and, and clients but friends yeah. first I think now you know and the Hurt Locker is now I watched it on, on social media and stuff that that used to be your garage yeah, it is. yeah, yeah it's my garage, yeah. You, you've essentially got it I mean it looks amazing with all the black and the mm-hmm. black box equipment and stuff like that it's, yeah uh, it's class and we just finished an outdoor deck as well at the front there so it's that's just finished today so it's been extended by about north two-thirds at the front so you can now train outside as well. Class. Um, so it's an uh, outdoor deck um, as well. So it looked it look pretty So pretty like, good. in terms of, obviously at the minute, with social distancing and the way mm-hmm. things are, we haven't been able to, to train clients in a one-to-one sort of scenario. Yeah. So how, um, and obviously we've had a chat offline and stuff, like how, how have you coped or how have you felt during lockdown and, and going on well i know you were online but like you know extending yeah. that how, how have you how yeah have you i didn't wait i went straight in and we i'd written a program obviously the phase one phase two phase three all done through a tree coach app and i didn't really wait i made the, the, the decision i'm still i still wanted to have that continuity with my clients that we that, that we still had this uh mm-hmm. connection and i offered these wee phases for 20 pounds for a month mm-hmm. and it wasn't a case of me just handing a program or going there you go work away like I'm daily contact with them mm-hmm. and which is great for me as well it's great for them it's keeping them focused and so it's a lot more it's almost like online coaching but at a ridiculously less price and um, it's 60p a day but I think people are taking mass amount of value because I put vlogs up, I put blogs up onto it, I put a lot of other information and content onto that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's really made me accountable as well. You know, I think a lot of people had a big a big massive dip in this where a lot of trainers did, didn't really know where to go to. They jumped on the Instagram workouts, they jumped on the Zoom workouts, which is great. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to see more gyms, if I'm honest. The larger gyms, I would love to have seen them looking after the PTs a wee bit more in yeah. terms of possibly possibly buying a Zoom package for all their PTs to keep training their clients mm-hmm. who are also part of their gyms. You know, I think the gyms personally have let a lot of people down. Yeah. Um yeah. massively. And you know, yes, every, everybody's going through this here, but it's actually the PTs are the ones that that are keeping everything going. It's not the gyms. The yeah, gyms haven't definitely. done anything really, definitely. and I think the gyms need to. If I if I if I was paying a membership to a gym, I'd be I'd be turning around saying, "Hold on, we sitting here. You haven't really helped me through a period where I've I've really needed the help." Mm-hmm. It's the PTs within the gym, the coaches in the gym that have taken that on board, and all all it would have taken would have been a gym to say, "Right, we're going to buy all our PTs a package of Zoom." Mm-hmm. And these guys can do all your own individual Zoom and tie it back into us. Exactly. This is this is what we're going to do for you because yeah. you've helped us out. You've brought our revenue in for for a long time, so we're going to give this back to you because it also keeps that that community feeling there. Mm-hmm. It also potentially will will bring in 
more customers to the gym itself and to the PT. And I, I really, I was thinking about this the other day, and I really think some gyms are really let the PTs down, their clients down, and their coaches down. Yeah. And then I suppose the PT has, you know, has that in the back of their mind that they were loyal to me. I will, I will come back and bring my clients, you know, with them. So the, yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're spot on. I think I really have. But I think, you know, I try to, try to, you know, I sat down and thought about this and obviously everybody struggles at the minute with people are out of work 80% wage. And I said, I, I want to create a program that I, that I, I can give them a clients, but I also, and also anybody else who wants to, wants to hop on this and try to help as as many people as I can through this mm -hmm. it's, it's affordable and, and it's been great um, to do that and that's where modern technology has probably saved a lot of people in this as well and, yeah. and it's, it's great to see so many coaches and so many PTs actually doing that on Zoom Yeah, I, I think that's amazing and, and still maintaining their community and, um, and, and that's the way it should be and I, I think you'll you may be finding the back of this that a lot more individual coaching PTs will go and look for, for something like this, their garage. Yeah. And, and, and bring everything back in again. Cause I, I really think they've gone, hold on. We, I've, I've been given nothing back after paying 500 pound a month to, to a gym here that. Yeah. When everything's gone, there you go. There's nothing for you. I didn't you know, have your back. Really, there's, there's no care package. There's no support package there. Yeah. And, and, and that's, um, I think I was I was quite lucky as well. Or when I first started this, I I decided to go down the route of a one to one studio, and I think, mm -hmm. you know, having that there coming off the back of this, you know, people are going to want yeah. that individual feel. I think or yeah, small you know, like like the. But you think now as well, Alan? But you think now where you are, where I am, we can really control hygiene here. Yeah. As well, like you can, and a and a big big gym. It's going to be can. tough. Yeah. It's gonna be extremely tough. And like some people are saying it's gonna be October time before Jim gets back up and running again or if they restrict restrict numbers. Mm -hmm. So if you're up at six AM and you go to the gym, there's already fifteen people in the gym that say, I'm oh, sorry, fifteen people in the gym can't let you in until somebody else leaves. That's yeah. not gonna work. That's not it's, gonna work. It's gonna be very strange. So it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how things happen here, how things progress, how the gyms move forward, how the members move forward with us as well you know it's gonna be it's gonna be really strange to see and and uh but it's also exciting you know it's exciting times you know it's yeah obviously there's a lot of there's a lot of badness in the world there's a lot of negativity in the world but equally it's extremely exciting to see what's ahead yeah i suppose it forces you to think more and evolve and you know keep your keep you on your toes and things like that so and it's like yeah. that because a, a lot of people have had that I haven't said that they've had it too good for too long, but they've been comfortable. And yeah. it's not until you're uncomfortable that you're actually forced into action. Yeah. So many people have been forced, like I have been as well, you're forced to do things, forced into action, and that can be a, a massive motivating factor for an individual. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden they're going, I can do this. Yeah. Why have I not done this? And there's so many people now have actually found themselves to go, I didn't, I didn't realize I could do this and I can't do this. And they're, they're overcoming so many obstacles that, that they maybe thought before were maybe a wee bit too daunting. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, because this has happened and they've been forced, they've gone, I can do this. And it's yeah. great to see that. And you can, you can let me see people's confidence starting to grow. And, and it's taken a, a pandemic for that to happen. Yeah. And you made the point like offline just... You know, people because they've had a bit more time, they can sit down and, and think about, you know, what do they actually want, you know, and mm -hmm. and, and sort of um, get a bit more clarity around it, which I I think's been I've seen uh, certainly a couple of uh, you know clients have you've, you've had that bit of a light bulb moment where like, shit, you know, yeah, I, I, I think, but I think as well where like if you you left school, you went to college, you got a job. You went to, had your work, you'd work, 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 work. This is probably the first time in 20 years, 25 years, 30 years that the majority of people have actually sat down yeah. and gone, you go away on holiday, you go away on holiday for a week, two weeks, you're, you're straight back into work again. You, you mm -hmm. always had this thought where was now you've actually been able to sit down and do nothing going into month number three. Obviously, a lot of people still are working, but for a large percentage of the population, it's probably the first time they've actually sat down in 20 years, 25 years, and had an extended enforced rest. 
Mm-hmm. And do you know what? Even though there's so much badness going on and there's a lot of negativity around the world, um, this will do people a mountain of good. A yeah. mountain of good. Those people, those people will probably reconnect with their with their wives or with their families that, that haven't because it's in a rat race. You get up in the morning at half six, you get rushed out to school, out to work, out to wherever, and that's gone. That's not what life's about. Yeah. You know, and we need that connection now, arguably as well. There's some people are probably going to get divorced off this as well. But there, do you know what I mean? But I would say the yeah. majority of people, the majority of people, if they accept, if they accept this whole situation and settle into it, they will find themselves, reconnect mm-hmm. with themselves and also their partners. Yeah. Hugely. So you'll be able to find some sort of positive out of it, hopefully. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I mean, in terms of, it's very hard to sort of put in stone what's what's going to happen in the next couple of months. Mm. But from your perspective, is there anything on the horizon in terms of you know projects that that uh, you know Ian Young's involved in? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm working on on something like this at the minute for myself, and it's more on the digital side. Um, I've seen how that can be massively advantageous over the over the last last two months. And I'll still be doing everything that, that I've done before when we're allowed to do that and to keep that safe. But mm-hmm. I've just really seen how the group the group situation online, how it works and works extremely well. Extremely yeah. well. And you know, I want to safeguard things for the future as well. And I want to have that in the background because who knows if we have a second spike in December. January and all of a sudden right. on those cold months we're shut down for for three or four months yeah and, and I think, who, I think who, who, who's not to say that 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 could happen and, and it could happen and I I want to safeguard and all the work I've been doing for the past past seven eight weeks is is for for me looking forward into next year not this year I'm looking forward into 2021 yeah I think probably it's it's going to be something that people will expect now as well you mm-hmm. know what's your online stuff like you know and as much as yeah you know probably yourself as well you want to get back into physically being with people you do yeah. train them you know they'll still miss expect that as well don't you I guess yeah you miss that, big you know, time like big that. time but i think i think a lot of i think a lot of people have really embraced the online training yeah. like what i've seen now from the from the majority obviously with this city isn't they got more more time in hands there's more people more people that even that I train are more active than they've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. And there's more wins. Like I'm posting wins every single day on, on Instagram about achievements. And it's because people now don't have distractions. There's no pubs open. There's no restaurants open. There's no coffee shops open. So that they're not kind of their friends. Their friends are saying them, you know, go on, have that wee bun. Just have that wee bun. And and that's all. That's that's now all gone. So yeah. People are people are all, all of a sudden are focused on their training. They're not going to pubs, restaurants, and they're they're actually seeing it's an enforced sacrifice. Where before, if you if you had to stop doing all that, you you really had to sacrifice that, and you're like begrudging going, oh, I can't have a drink. Where now, you, no nights out, no nice restaurants, no coffee shops. It's it's been enforced onto you, and all of a sudden. People are starting to get into really good shape, getting really lean, conditioned, fittest they've ever been, and I think I think people will take that forward. Yeah. More, and they'll, they'll probably get in the habit of, of of exercising every day, even if it is going for a walk. Going to people now walking is amazing. I, I think it's, it's just getting just that. getting the steps just in, and that can make such a difference. That's it. Yeah. Huge, huge difference. Yeah. And that's great, and hope, hopefully that stays with majority of people. Yeah, Brendan. Okay. Um, so where if people want to reach out and find you, where's the best place to do it? Probably um I'd probably be Instagram for me is a I'm a lot more active on Instagram than I would be on Facebook on my Facebook page in your fitness. Okay. It's Instagram, it's iFitNI. Um and I did have a, a website to launch about it was to launch about three weeks ago, but mm-hmm. because of everything that's happened, it's now flip on its end and it's going to be something completely different which is going to be extremely exciting uh, so, so release date get, somewhere down this hopefully end of this year or something I hope if I, get, if I can get it done in four weeks time 
what I want to do, what I want to achieve. But I, I, it could be six weeks or seven weeks, but it needs to be it needs to be, it needs right. be right. Okay. It needs to be right. So I'm hoping within four to six weeks. Well, I'll put your uh, social media stuff onto the podcast anyway, so people can find you. But yeah. Brilliant, Dan. Listen, really good chat. Um, yeah, some really great uh, stories and stuff there. So thank you very much for coming on. Much appreciated. No worries, bro. No worries. Anytime, bro.